0: If you have your Bibles, you turn to Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 4, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4, and, and this is just kind of a standalone message, and, uh, and, and I, I want to be honest with you guys, this is the, the uncensored series, it was supposed to go one more week, it was supposed to go um, this week was supposed to be the last week right before Easter, but um, I just felt in my prayer time that uh, we needed to end it last week and do what we did and I think if you were here, like I said it was a, it was just a phenomenal thing just to see to see all the things that God was doing and um, and, and so this week i, I 've been really praying about um, what to preach um, today and uh, I, and I had one of those moments, and this doesn 't happen all the time, but I had one of those moments where I, I mean I was going good i even uh taught taught a little bit of what I thought was going to be the message to our staff on Tuesday morning at staff meeting. It was really, I felt like it was really good. It was really awesome. At least they just stared at me for a while, and um, it was good. And... but then over the course of like Friday and Saturday, I just started, um, God just opened up what I'm going to preach to you now, I just kind of opened it up, and uh, at like five minutes till 10, our media guy texted me, and he was like, hey man, we don't have the PowerPoint yet, just wondering if you could shoot that to us, and that's because I was still typing it up. Um, so um, I just I just want to, and I want to brace you for that, because this is just something very simple, something the Lord put in my heart, and I just feel like um, he wants me to teach it to you guys this morning. and this is one of those things where um, I, I, a lot of times like I get loud and I get excited and I get all energetic and I'm sure that I might do that again today. but, but this is, I, I want sometimes I, it's important I feel like sometimes it's important to make sure that I don't get in the way of what God wants to say to you. Um, and, and, and this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to teach you um, this something that I thought the Lord taught me this week, um, just in a unique way. Um, and I want to encourage you um, to just, just to listen um, and, and, and to pray as you go through and you listen. Just focus in your heart and your mind and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you um, through this, through this uh, what is becoming an amazing uh, principle in my life. And so I just want to teach you to use Proverbs uh, chapter 14. Verse 4, very short, um, and I just want to read this to this Here it is. In the absence of oxen, there is a feed trough full of grain, but in the strength of the bull, there is an abundant harvest. In the absence of oxen, there is a feed trough full of grain, but in the strength of the bull, there is an abundant harvest. All right, guys ready to go? Sometimes when you read the Bible, you're just like, that's Solomon. Dude, how was he the wisest man in the earth? What, what, what is he talking about? The feet trough. Some of your translations may say, the manger is clean. And that even makes less sense to me. Uh, it's one of those things that this, I just want to walk you through this really fast. So, this is how, this is how I came to this scripture um, uh, through 40 days of prayer and fasting. No, that's not what happened. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was really struggling with a certain area of my life and I was really praying about a certain thing and um, and I just was just like, you know, God, it's something I have prayed about you know, several times before, especially the last two or three months and, and I was just coming to God and I wasn't angry with God. I was, just, I was just frustrated because a lot of times I feel like when I pray and I just surrender that I get clarity and, and I really need that. A lot of times, I don't like to move unless I know that the Lord's leading me to move and I, and I started praying about this one situation and, um, and, and praying about what it was and, and, and I was just kind of like whining a little bit. I was just kind of like, you know, God, why do you ever do this? You know, everything's so difficult and so hard, and it's just, uh. and then, like, five seconds later, I, I walked out, um, got a Diet Coke out of our mini fridge that I'm not supposed to be drinking yet, and... Um, came back into my room, opened, my back, opened up the, the Bible, and this was the first scripture that I read, and then the Lord just um, just began to speak heavily to me about it. So this is just kind of where this came from. It's really fresh for me, and, um, and, and it's something that, that's really powerful, and it's about oxen. So I'm going to teach you guys a little bit of something. Anybody ever know what an ox is? You know what an ox is? Okay, I, I didn't know. I knew they were like these big, scary creatures. Um, but I didn't know a lot about them. I didn't know the significance of them. Um, you know, Solomon at the beginning, he writes, he says, listen, I'm writing Proverbs mainly for my sons and for the younger generation so that I can teach them this knowledge, this wisdom, this, this understanding that I've gathered over the course of my life so that they don't have to live uh, like fools through their life, so they don't have to make the same mistakes I did. And uh, they, can, they can gather all this wisdom, all this knowledge, all this understanding, all these principles and apply them to their life um, so that they don't have to learn things the hard way and I think sometimes we have this kind of this false sense in life about learning things the hard way and that like sometimes like that's the best teacher I've heard people say you know learning things the hard way is the best teacher and and I'm always like do you really want like your kids to learn about how not to cross the road the hard way I mean you really want to like I learned how not to touch the oven the hard way when I was a kid and I've got three scars on my hand to prove that reality I a lot of times you don't want to learn lessons the hard way Like, you don't want to learn a marriage the hard way by going through a divorce or two. Does that make sense? You don't don't want to learn uh, managing money the hard way by losing everything and going bankrupt and having them come repossess your car and your house, right? So can we just, just for a second, let's just get together and say, some things sound good, but they're stupid, all right? That's one of them. Some things sound good, but they're stupid. That's something that sometimes sounds good, but it's stupid. We don't want to learn things the hard way. We don't want to, I mean, think about Adam and Eve learned the hard way, right? All right, we don't want to learn things the hard way. So this is one of those things where I feel like if we can just embrace this idea behind this um, and really apply it to our life, especially in certain areas of our life, we will see God do great and amazing things in our life. And the title of this message, I'm calling this message Missing the Reward, Missing the Reward. I think that in different areas of life, God gives us gifts after gifts after gifts after gifts. He gives us reward after reward after reward after reward. Um, but a lot of times we miss them. Not because he's not giving them to us, but because we choose not to get them or, or live through them. We, we, we say no to certain things that don't open up the doors to live in the gifts and the rewards that God has for us. Does that make sense? And this is the point, this is the power behind what Solomon's trying to teach, and specifically his sons and uh, sons the younger generation of his time through this, this oxen thing. So I, I just want to talk to you a few minutes about oxen. I know that when you woke up this morning, you're like, dude, I can't wait to get to Pursuit. Uh, out of all the things in the world I think Pastor Jordan's going to talk about, I doubt anyone was like, hope it's oxen, right? But we're going to have some farming lessons, so here we go. All okay. right. Oxen, oxen uh, were a very unique thing down in Solomon's day. Uh, We didn't have, obviously they didn't have technology and they didn't have uh, equipment and different things like that. And and they were primarily kind of a harvest farming. Uh, Everything came down to to that harvest farming, uh, growing things, you know, produce, different things like that. That was kind of the heart of it. Um, Wealth was obtained uh, really by one of two ways, and that was war. Or farming. That was about, about it. And then commerce, but both of them had to do with farming or war 99% of the time. And so there was other unique things like being wizards or something like that. But for the most part, normal people, it was war and farming and, and different aspects of that. And so this was, this was a significant thing. And ox played a massive, massive role in that society. And, and, and so before we, before we kind of get into this, I'm going to talk to you just for a second about the absence of oxen. Because that's what he, he starts this off by saying the absence of oxen brings you, you, know, brings you a feed trough that is full. Um, or the actual uh, Hebrew says a feed trough that is pure, as in untouched, not used. Um, and that's why sometimes it translates clean, which is a wrong translation. It means pure, as in it's full of food, nothing's eaten from it. Does that make sense? Um, and, and his point behind it is this, because absence of oxen mean a lot of peace in, in, in your life, in a lot of ways. Uh, Oxen, um, all the other farm animals, all the other things used, all the other tools, um, oxen was like a hundred times more difficult to maintain. Uh, they were extremely expensive. Um, up, up, the upfront cost of owning an oxen uh, would be like maybe driving around, um, you know, like a Lamborghini or something. In this day and age, they were just extremely expensive. Um, if you had multiple oxen, you were considered very wealthy. If you had a ton of oxen, uh, you were considered extremely wealthy. Um, it was a massive sign to wealth, just because it was so expensive to buy oxen. You follow me with the oxen deal? Okay oxen are expensive it also not only does it cost a lot more money to get them uh, it costs a lot more money to manage them and to and to have them and to feed them. I want you to imagine having like a small baby and then like a three hundred pound sumo wrestler at your house like that's the difference and all the goats ate some grass, and the oxen ate like everything else. like it, it just cost a ton of money uh, to, to feed them, to keep them up, to keep them healthy, to keep them strong. Um, you had to build uh, uh, the things that you had to build to house oxen because they were so strong. You spent a ton more money in, in, the, in the structure because you could just tie a goat to a tree, call it a day. But you had to, uh, with, the, with the buildings and everything they had to build to take care of oxen was significantly higher. Um, and then you had to have hired hands because every time you had a, a, an oxen, you had to have at least one man managing the oxen and leading the oxen out as it worked in the fields and it did its thing. And so, so along with the cost of an oxen, it cost time. You had to build up teams, basically, and, and hire people and, and farmers. And it was just it was very, it was very, very difficult to have, uh, maintain, have and maintain oxen. Um, and, and, and his point is, saying, listen, if you don't have any oxen, you don't, your feed trough is going to be full. You're not going to have to have these investments. You're not going to have to manage them. You're not going to have to build all these extra things. It's, it, you're going to have a lot less difficulty in your life. Does that make sense? It's going to be a lot easier to have a goat farm, right? Than and then have an oxen. I don't know why I keep using goats. It's the only farm animal I can really think of. I don't, I don't know chickens. What? I don't think I had chickens. So, it's just everything else. You could have. You could have everything else, and it and, and it and it was it was so much easier than having oxen. That's what the absence of oxen means here. That it's just it's easier. It doesn't. <laughs> no clue what just happened. It doesn't cost as much. All right? I literally have no idea what. Just my throat closed up. I felt like maybe I was dying. I don't know. <laughs> We're just going to move on from that. Absence of oxen means things are easier. You tracking with me? But, he says, but this is only a minor advantage. It's only a minor advantage to, to not have any oxen. To, you don't have to build uh, big barns. You don't have to have extra uh, things. You don't have to. I would appreciate it very much. So, I was, when she got up, I was really hoping. I was like, please, God, produce water. Mm. Oh, it's so good. You guys got plans after church? or? Oh, thank you, Jesse. So, what are we talking about? Oxen, absent of oxen, it's it's easier, right? It's just easier. It's just it's just easier to do it all the way across the board. But then he says, listen. But it's the strength of the bull. The next part, it's the strength of the bull that leads to an abundant harvest, or or to leads to much increase. In the Hebrew, it just says it to lead to much increase. It's the strength of the bull, and and he's saying he's saying yeah, it's it's easier to maintain. It's easier to deal with. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's no difficulty in, in doing the other stuff, but without oxen in your farm without oxen, you're not going to have any increase. You're not going to have any abundance. You're not going to have any harvest. There's not going to be any reward. Um, It's going to be very, 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 very difficult for you to ever be profitable. It's going to be, you're never going to experience major success without the oxen. The oxen was kind of like the, the golden goose of this day. This was the thing. If you had a lot of oxen, yes, it was difficult to maintain. Yes, it was a a much higher investment to get them. Yes, it was harder to build and manage. And yes, it was more difficult. But this was the thing that led to much increase. Outside of war, you did not find true success, true wealth, true increase in this day and age without oxen. You, You follow me? So this is the point that he's saying. This is the point that he's saying. He's saying it is a lot more difficult, a lot more difficult. To invest in, buy, manage, and build up your oxen. It's a hundred times more difficult. But it's the strength of the oxen that bring you the greatest rewards. And he's saying no oxen in your life, no rewards. Meaning the greatest things that you experience in this life are not going to be easy to maintain. The greatest joys, the greatest rewards... The greatest significance, the greatest harvest, the abundant life that Christ has for us, all of the great things in life, to get them, to obtain them, means it's going to be a lot more difficult than not dealing with it. Does that make sense? The locks and the reward. There's three primary ways and areas of our life that this this plays into. And and I'm, I'm I'm going to use one just to give you... An example of, of of what I'm talking about, I think the first significant part that this plays into in a huge way is friendships and relationships, friendships and relationships, friend groups, people groups, uh, relationships, dating relationships, marriage, relationships with family, relationships with your kids. I think that we could all agree, and you might be in a season of life right now where you might disagree with this, but, but I think that you, I, I would argue with you that even if you disagree with me, it would prove that you actually agree with me because, because if you didn't disagree with me, then you would be fine, and you're not fine because I'm right. <laughs> I'll explain. God gave us each other. He gave us community. Uh, he, He created a whole bunch of stuff, said it was all good, looked down at Adam, said this isn't good, gave him Eve, then it was good. One of the things that we see in Acts when it talks about the power of the church, and one of the things that it said over and over and over again, that the, one of the most powerful things they did was they shared in a community together. They did all things together, they had all things in common. Uh, we are, are, are scientists, uh, neurologists, especially coming out of the series we just did, um, there is a significant uh, joy and pleasure that comes from friendship. Uh, they say that, that the saddest thing you can experience in life is genuine loneliness. Right? And I think sometimes when we get in bad areas, like say two days after a divorce, you know, I've, I can't, I've heard this so many times, and it's never the women, it's always the guys that are so stupid. They're like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Yep. yep, Got through that divorce. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm, I'm happy. She's gone. I can do it on my own. I want her back. I need her back. I can't do it. right? Because like if you're in a bad place, right, you just had a bad experience with a friend, you just had a bad experience in a relationship, you just had a bad experience in marriage, you, you might be in that little, that free area where you're trying, you're in denial is really all it is, and everybody around it knows it but you, but you're in denial, and, and, and you think, I don't need people, I don't need friends, I can do this on my own, that famous speech that somehow shows up in every movie ever made, and like, and it comes up to this place, but the reality of it is you're in agony and you're in pain because that relationship has separated whatever it is. Does that make sense? One of the greatest rewards that we have in life is friendship, is in relationships and in relationships with our spouse, relationships with our kids. Um, And and, and this is the thing that everybody in this room understands about friendships and about relationships and about marriage and about things is that it is extremely difficult to have long-term good life-producing, role producing friendships, relationships, even with our kids because people are difficult to deal with, Right? I always say the passion would be the easiest thing on the planet if I didn't have to deal with people every day. Everybody? <laughs> Dead serious, man. Like we, we 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 are difficult beings, because a lot of us I know not you but the rest of us we're selfish, dude. We're, we're self-interested. We want it our way like we we are the most important person in the universe i mean we just we, we, we have pride issues, pride issues cause so many different issues in our life um like we we just we're some of us are just we're lazy, and so it's just like anytime something gets difficult we just rather not deal with it, you know what i mean and and there's just there's all kinds of personality issues What we have we're hard to deal with, right? and we just are and i mean not you, but everybody else, but i mean we're hard to deal with and and in friendships and in relationships uh there are there are many, 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 many times the greatest rewards that you will experience from friendship, the greatest rewards that you'll experience uh, in, in, in relationships uh, with, with family and friends and kids and different things like that, there has to be a, a, a massive level of difficulty that you have to work through every day, it seems like, at some seasons, to be able to have and experience those rewards. Does that make sense? but a lot of times what we do is that the the moment things get difficult like in friendships the moment things get awkward the moment somebody does something to hurt you or the moment there's something happens and we just kind of we run away from it we run away from the difficulty. We don't embrace it. We don't want to manage it. We don't have to deal with it. We just kind of run away from it. We get our feelings hurt or we, something happens, and, and we just kind of run away from it. And what we do is we, we, every time we, it gets difficult or it gets hard, we run away from it. And so we never fight through and learn to manage and learn to deal with it and to, in, in order to have the reward that rests on the other side. Does that make sense? The greatest, the greatest seasons of marriage, truthfully... I mean, it's not up front, right? It's not in the beginning. It's after you learn to live with each other and be with each other. And over time, you surrender more to God and more to each other. And selfishness kind of dissipates the selflessness. And then you find happiness and joy with one another. And you become each other's confident, each other's best friends because you've walked through war together. And then you get to that place of intimacy and joy and, and there's just an amazing thing of it but but it's difficult it's difficult to maintain and and I, and, and I, the other thing with, with kids and stuff dude a lot of times having kids and that's a difficult thing it's a difficult thing to have kids to maintain kids to, to be there for kids and, and to, to work through all their crap literally we've been potty training Aubrey well Courtney's been potty training aubrey and and like and I'm telling you dude like I it's I mean like i don't even I don't even know like I don't even understand like the um, I don't even know should I tell that story? <laughs> so like I had to watch Aubrey one day and and Courtney had been potty trainer for two days, and it had been going fantastic and then and then I stepped in and i I was only held responsible for four hours and, and it, the third day, the third evening, four hours in, and Courtney had to go do the thing, and I was terrified, I was absolutely. Terrified, but uh, because see what happened? She's she's realized that her that she's producing a certain thing. You follow me? And she doesn't like it, and so if if you don't get to it and fast enough, she picks up and starts trying to. <laughs> dude, the first I'm, I'm 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 I just went and like. Like, put her in the bathtub, got her a little bucket of water thing, and I just dumped it on her. <laughs> and, if, and if it wasn't cold outside, I would have taken her outside and hosed her off. <laughs> right? But it's difficult to maintain. Raising kids, you know, being there for your kids, it's, it's, it's selflessness. And, and you, but you may think, but if you, if, you, if you don't run away from it, like so many people do, if you don't run away from it. Right? Over time, you raise kids, you grow in this relationship, and they become, as the Bible says over and over again, one of the greatest rewards and greatest gifts in life. And so it, it, it's, that, it's that nature, that idea that I, I, I want you to understand that the greatest things, the greatest rewards that we'll have in life mean some of the most difficult moments and difficult seasons of your life. And Solomon says if you run away from the difficult moments, you'll never experience the abundant increase or the harvest or the rewards that God has in store for you. And, and there's two other areas that I just want you to think about as I teach through the last, the, the last few points. is friendships and relationships. The second is calling and career. Career and calling. Right, this is a significant thing. This is a significant thing in your life um, that God has, has, has given you an opportunity to reward you and to bless you in, in a vast amount of different ways. Um, and I, as we kind of go through this, the last part, I want you to just consider, is the Lord speaking to you about calling and career today? And then the, the third one is, is significant. It's the significance in Christ. It's significance in Christ. Um, people all the time, and this has to do more with purpose, people all the time, they talk about being significant with Christ and they want to find their, their purpose in life and they want to do this. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, if you don't learn to embrace the oxen seasons of your life, the difficult moments in your life, working through the things that are difficult, sacrificing and doing all these things, you will never find significance in Christ, ever. It's not because he's not offering, it's not because it's not there, it's not because the reward's not there, it's because you're choosing by saying no to the ox, you're choosing to say no to significance in Christ. So I want you to think about those three things as I, as I teach this last part. I want you to think about the friendships and relationships in your life, family relationships, relationships with kids and, and friendships and friendship groups. And I want you to think about the callings and careers in your life. And I want you to think about the significance in Christ question as I teach through this, just this, this two or three things that I felt the Lord laid on my heart uh, just to teach us this morning. Um, as we kind of go through this, and I'm, I'm going to spend 30 seconds really fast, and I'm just going to pray, and I want you to pray, and I want you to ask that God just speak to you clearly about one of these areas of your life as we kind of go through this. All right, we pray with me then? Father God, I just specifically, God, want to come to you, special time of prayer, Father. And I pray, Father, as we go through this, this last two or three parts, Father, that you will just speak very clearly to our hearts and to our mind, um, especially if we are going through um, a significant season of difficulty in our life in one of these three areas, Father, that we that we Open up our heart and our mind to you, Father, that we can learn from your wisdom, learn from your truth in Scripture. Speak to us very clearly, God, in your name, amen. So I'll, I want to t- teach you three things along these lines really fast. Um, and one of these things, and I've taught this first part before, but I, I want to teach it again because I think it's important in this. And I, I titled this Private Battles Before Public Victory, Private Battles Before Public Victory. Um, and and I, want, I want to take you to, to David's life really fast, just for a second, I'll take you to David's life. Um, David was a very unique person. The most famous story of David is what? David and Goliath. And and when when the first couple times that I've heard this kind of talk, this was the David that they presented to me. This was the David. They presented to me as it was like this. I just imagine like a nine-year-old, like feeble baby child... Like, just soft, and, 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 and just kind of walking up there, didn't have any weapons, and he couldn't fit in the armor, and they just make him feel like he's almost, like he's just like a wuss or something. And he just, and he just in faith, he goes out and he picks up these rocks, and he doesn't even have a weapon, he just has a slingshot, and, and nobody talks about how deadly and awesome a slingshot is, they always, always, they always talk about it like it's this little... Like Bugs Bunny slingshot from the cartoons, and I just imagine this weak little little child walking onto the battlefield, and then and then you know slaying this giant. And it, it sometimes it's kind of I guess it's kind of the underdog effect of whatever of presenting David as weak and as minuscule and unprepared as possible to face Goliath. But the reality of it is is that. That David was like uh, uh, amazing. David was like uh, uh, the man. He was a warrior. He was trained in the art of warfare already at this moment. He was not weak. He was not feeble. He was extremely strong. He was extremely young and agile. He was a warrior even right now in this moment. But what a lot of people don't realize and a lot of people don't focus on is that David, that when he walked out to the Goliath, he wasn't walking out to Goliath thinking. Like, I'm unprepared, or i missed this, 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 David was confident that he could kill Goliath because he knew that he had already done some pretty amazing things in his life. And like, the first one was, he went as a, as a shepherd, his, his dad gave him this, uh, this this job to go out and be a shepherd boy over the, and protect the sheep. And multiple times in this field, lions and bears came to attack the sheep. And there was a lot of shepherds that they would just be, you know, I mean, you're looking at it, you got a hundred sheep, you see one lion, you think, I'm just going to give him a sheep. Like... I, I, it would be easier to just kind of walk away. It would be easier to just not fight the battle. It would be easier to not chase. It would be easier to learn how to. But David didn't do that. David took ownership over the situation. No one was around. No one was looking. No one would probably even know the difference, and no one would realize that he ran away. No one would realize that he did not act courageously. No one would realize. I mean, but he decided at a young age. He decided at a young age that he was going to fight those battles, and he was gonna that he was gonna in private. He was gonna fight those battles. He was gonna learn to guard the sheep and to take ownership over what he's doing. Over over his job over his his career over and when that lion came in he figured out a way to kill the lion and when the Bears came in he figured out a way to kill the Bears and over time he grew in confidence and he became uh, this uh, what I just imagined would be a terrifying little man like I mean I can't I don't know how old he was there's a lot of speculation but dude if you're killing lions and you're killing bears and I stood out on a battlefield I would be confident that I could take down the slow giant does that make sense and so you kind of come out, and David's like, and David even asked the question. He's like, why are we letting this dude just stand out here and curse our God? Everybody else is terrified. David's not terrified. David is sitting there. He's sitting there. He said, like, why are we just letting this happen? The reason was he was ready because he had battled in private. He, was, he had trained up. He was ready to go. He went outside, and he killed the giant. And then he married the daughter, got rich, became this amazing thing. People sang songs about him. It was an amazing thing. He experienced the reward of that victory because he, was, he, he fought private battles. And I, and I want to translate this to our life really fast. I'll give you an example, give you an example of my life and pastoring and in, in preaching. Um, there is something significant. There is a spiritual significance in the way you handle things and the way you deal with things when no one's looking. The most difficult battles that you will face are the ones that you face alone just when you and God are there. The, the, the character traits, the character flaws, the personality flaws, the sins in your life, uh, the deception that you deal with, the gossip that you deal with, the things that you deal with in this life, uh, these are things that cannot and will never be a public victory there will never be something that you been. It's something that you take to the Lord. It's something that you get together in private. It's something that you embrace and it's difficult. It's difficult to deal with issues. It's difficult to deal with things. And, a lot, and, and let me put this in perspective because a lot of you have friendship issues, right? And every friend you've ever had has been a bad friend. Can't get along with this girl. Can't get along with that 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 And you think I have just picked horrible friends. Maybe they pick horrible friends. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe because you're you're choosing not to battle the issues and figure out why. Maybe you're choosing in in, in a moment where where you are acting selfishly and and you're acting pridefully and you're acting your your ambition, whatever it is, you're dealing with it and you're not not taking on any ownership. You're not dealing with things in your own life. It's easier to just, when you have an issue or you have conflict, it's just easier to walk away, isn't it? It's just easier not to deal with it. It's just easier not to commit. It's just easier to walk away. It's easier When someone starts calling you out, it's just easier to deny it and walk away instead of deal with it. And this is the thing I want you to understand. You have to learn to embrace things in your private life. You have to learn to embrace battles in private. You have to learn to pray in private, to succeed in private, to grow in God in private, to have a, a secret life with God, to be in a secret place with God. It's in these private moments that God will reveal and do some of the greatest work in your life that will prepare you and make you ready to fight giants out in public. Does that make sense? Like when when we do these series and we you know we do these things, there's hours upon hours upon hours of private preparation and private prayer and and private and and then we come out and it just seems like all at once God just does this amazing thing. It's because people have been praying in secret for hours and 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 days and months and even years that God will continue to move. Does that make sense? Things aren't what you see in in public, it doesn't, it it never comes, it always begins in private. It's always where you learn to, to chase and do the difficult things when no one's lurking, to grow in God when no one's looking, to do these things when no one's looking, and then when God will prepare you through that so that you can obtain and you can do some of the, embrace the difficulty of the day. I want you to imagine if David did not embrace Goliath that day, would we even know his name? No. Would he have, have, have ever been the leader that he was? Would he have ever been the king? Would he have ever lived out the calling? Would he have ever lived out the purpose? Would he have ever done that? And see, a lot of you guys, what you're wanting is you're wanting somebody to just come and tell you what your purpose is. You want somebody just to come and tell you what your calling is. You want somebody just to tell you. You want to do research, figure out what's the most high-paying job, and, and then plan your life around that reality. You want something just easy to come. But it is extremely difficult extremely difficult to get alone with God on a daily basis, to grow in God, to pray for God, to surrender to God in private so that God can prepare you and open up your heart and open up your mind and train you so that you can do the public things that God has planned for you. Does that make sense? Right. You have to learn. You have to get to a place in your life where you embrace difficulty in private. Where you walk through your personality issues in private. Where you walk through your sins and your addictions in private. Where you fight these battles in private. If you don't learn how to do that, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be able to gain those public victories. The thing that I, I wrote most significant about my life is that if you, can, if you can learn to fight lions and bears when no one's watching, God will teach you and empower you to fight giants when two nations, the fate of two nations are being decided. Does that make sense? You're looking for significance in Christ. You're looking for your calling, your career. You're looking for family, friendships, relationships. 99% of the time, the most difficult things that you will face in that is in private the acceptance of a flaw, the acceptance of an issue, praying, learning, growing, uh, practicing. This this is the same thing as just like, do you think that? Take Kobe Bryant, for example. Do you think that Kobe Bryant was just born being able to play basketball the way he was playing basketball? Do you know why the rest of human society was sleeping from 3 to 7 in the morning that he was getting up shooting free throws and three-pointers uh, night and day and day and night every single, like, for his entire life? Does that make sense? Do you think that that guy at John Hillson, you think that that guy uh, that, that you're so jealous of at work that just seems to be beating you up and down the court, that's just doing, he's getting the promotion, he's doing things better, do you think that he's just, like, showing up that day and just everything's just happening for him? No, he's beating you when no one's looking. Does that make sense? I, I know this is practical, but I want, I want you to understand this when it comes. It, it, it's the things that you do. It's the practice in private. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the doing the things when no one's looking, doing the things, preparing, embracing those things, learning those things, growing in God in those things, that God will just open up the doors for you, and you'll have the confidence and the ability to walk through it when the giants show up in your life. To reap the rewards from that. It's a powerful thing. And, and, and this is just take, I'm going to take a second to yell at my generation. Just for a second. And I'm one of you. So I'm not from the outside looking in, people judge me. The millennial generation, the vast majority of them, you are entitled. You are lazy. Anxiety exists so much in your life because you've never learned to handle difficult situations. And, and the heart of this message is really going to my generation, because I see a massive issue in you. I see that the moment jobs get difficult, you quit. I see that the moment uh, 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 you are held accountable for anything you just run away, or scream anxiety, or whatever it may be. I know people have real problems, but here's the deal. Uh, in 2001, I think anxiety in teenagers um, was like 14%, and then in 2013, it was 71%. And I don't think, uh, I don't think that, that something just sprang out of nowhere all of a sudden. I think it's that parents, now here's to the older generation, you've coddled your kids to the point that they can't handle real life. All right, does that make sense? All right, you, you go in, you go into school, and you fight their battles when they should be learning how to fight battles. You go in, you don't allow them to even have an opportunity to learn how to be private and learn how to have private victories because you're always going in and, and giving the teacher such a hard time they just give them an A. Sometimes your kids, they don't need to be in the advanced classes because they're not advanced. Right? It's not nothing's wrong with them. It's just that where God's blessed them, it might not be in the ability to do two plus two plus two. And you're setting your kids up by failure by going in and pitching such a fit and that they, now they're in the advanced class. For what? To get into college? Do you think college professors care the way the high school teachers care? Not at all. You got them on the advanced track. You got them in a college they probably shouldn't have gone to doing classes not good enough to do. And then when the professors like fail, 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 now they just, they can't handle it. They develop anxiety issues and have to take some time off from school to figure themselves out. Uh, is it too real for you guys? And we can blame our parents all we want, but now I'm gonna go back. Because it's y'all's fault. Y'all complain, you complain. I can't stand when people complain about millennials. I'm like, you raised us. You spoiled us out of our brains. Right? But that's not an excuse to be a loser to the millennials. You have to understand life is going to be difficult, friendship is going to be difficult, jobs are going to be difficult, calling is going to be difficult, careers are going to be difficult, finding purpose, being significant, all these things are going to be difficult. And you will ne- if you don't learn to embrace difficulty, if you don't learn to chase that, if you run away from things every time get, things get hard, you are going to be single for the rest of your life. You're going to live inside of your parents' basement for the rest of your life. And when you're about 45 or 50, you'll develop this massive anger issue. And probably at God for not blessing you or giving you whatever thing you're going to use at that time period. And it's all going to be because of you. It's you. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. You ready for point number four? Any guesses? Life is difficult. Point number five. Life is difficult. And you have to learn to embrace difficulty. Well, you know, I just didn't get, a, I didn't get a, the scholarship that I, I need. I deserve that scholarship. No, you didn't. You partied every weekend. You didn't study. You didn't know the material. You failed the test. You didn't do good on the SATs. And now you're not going to get the scholarship. And that's your fault. Right? Private disciplines learning to win in private when no one's looking, making those decisions, growing up, it's going to lead to public victory. I didn't mean to talk on that so long, but I just, I wanted to get to that. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going, I'm just, I'm just going to do, it. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> Second thing, all the older people chill out, I'm saying all the things that you want to say. <laughs> Second thing, this isn't in the notes, so Steve, you can just turn PowerPoint off. We are the most impatient generation God ever created, right? We don't have the patience to get through Monday, let alone the rest of our lives. And what what happens? And I, and I hear those people come and talk to me, and they're like, "Yeah, I just can't. I, just, I feel like I just made a mistake. Like you know, I've just been. Done. I got this job, and you know, and I'm just like I was there, and it was just like it just didn't feel. Like I just wasn't finding the fulfillment, and I just wasn't. You know, it just wasn't what it was gonna be, and I." And I'm like, well, how long have you been working there yesterday? <laughs> I just feel like it's not the job for me, man. Well, quit smoking weed. <laughs> All right. Tuck your shirt in and go be a man. Give it some time. Be patient. Be patient with the things. Do you understand? Do you understand? That pay, the significance of patience, Now, I, I, despite popular belief, I am not that impatient on the important things. I'm extremely impatient on things like lines and driving, stuff like that. And like when I ask you a question and you don't answer me fast enough, I want to punch you in the face. Or when you're talking and it's taking you 20 minutes to get to a point and we waste 20 minutes, what could have been two minutes? That, that I'm impatient on. God forgive me, teach me, grow me. But on the other things, the things that are important, I'm extremely patient. This is the thing that I've learned about life. Greatness rides on the back of patience. You will never experience, if you do not have the patience and the perseverance to endure difficult times, to endure to learn, uh, to endure the the lessons of every job that God opens up to get, to to endure and persevere through through issues and relationships and stuff, listen, if you don't have that patience in you, if you think that greatness is just going to show up on the second day, and if not, this is what I always hear, yeah, I just think the mistake was choosing the job, the mistake was marrying her, the mistake was doing this, no, the mistake was you're acting like a four-year-old, and you won't develop just a little bit of patience and perseverance to just make it through this just to see what God has on the other side D- Jesus was 30 before he started his ministry Moses was 40 and then asked said another 40 years in the desert 80 years before he started to live it out David was told at a young age probably early teenage years that he was going to be a king and it was years upon years upon years upon years that he went but what what all of these people have in common is they had the patience to endure through that. And because they have the patience to endure through life, they were prepared when the time came. Right? you got to grow. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. It's difficult sometimes. Life is difficult. Different things are difficult. You want to be able to shoot a basketball really well, you have to have the patience and the private discipline to get outside and do it and don't stop. You want to grow in your job. You want to find success. You got, you got, patience is a big thing. This is the third thing. Taylor, you can come up here. This is the third thing. And this is the thing. This is really the heart behind the whole message. And, and I know this is different, but I don't really care. Because I, I want you to, know, and, and this is to everybody. This is to everybody. But I, 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 my heart this week has just been for, for, for us, my, my, my generation, because I, just, I see this. It's just such a, just such a weakness and it's going to dismantle you. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to stop you uh, from seeing and experiencing the gifts, the rewards, uh, the greatness that God has for your life. You have to learn, you have to learn to embrace difficulty head on. You have to learn to embrace difficulty. You have to learn uh, that victory doesn't come without battles. And you have to learn, and this is the thing I think people, people have, there's this myth that exists inside of Christianity, that I hope I can kill it right here right now for everybody that if I'm on the path if I'm on the path that God God truly hey if I'm if I'm truly within the will of the Lord things will be easy things will go smoothly pardon me if you believe that you're an idiot that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard but that's how we do. If, if if I picked the right person to marry, if I had done the right, if things, it would be it would be easy. It would be good. God's not here. God's not with me when things are difficult. God's not with me when, No. It's difficult to have options. It's difficult to manage. It's difficult to do it, but without it, you'll never experience the rewards, the harvest, the abundant increase, the purpose, the significance in Christ, the, the, the rewards that come from friendships and relationships. It's difficult, and I just want to I just want to show you this really fast in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the other this is the other myth. The other myth is this: if my heart in my heart, if I don't want to do it, then it's not the right thing. I, that's the thing I hear the most. And I just I want to if if I don't want to do it. Then it must not be the right thing. If God wanted me to do it because He gives me the desires of my heart, if God wanted me to do it, then He would He would make me want to do it. And I and I just I you know I just don't want to do it. And I, so that's how I know that it's not the right thing. Shut up. I want to take you to the garden of Simeon. This is the Son of God, this is Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this one beautiful sentence that Jesus says. Remember this? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The most significant moment in the history of the universe. Jesus Christ laid right before the cross, and we're going to celebrate next week, right in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what was about to happen, knowing the difficulty, knowing the turmoil, knowing the torture, knowing the persecution, knowing how hard of a battle that would be. But he also knew the reward. And in this moment, he said, God, if there's any, if there's any, if there's any way, if there's any way to take this cup from me, if there's any way to avoid it, if there's any other path, any other path, let's take that path. But if not, I want your will to be done. I want your will to be done. And so Jesus walked through one of the most difficult things you could ever walk through, but experienced one of the greatest rewards saved creation from sin, death, and the grave and then he was rewarded worthy as the lamb, the most high God sitting next to, I mean he's the, the king do you see what I'm saying? If you don't learn to embrace difficulty if you don't learn to man up and woman up and embrace difficulty in your marriage, in your friendships in your relationships, in your calling in your career, basically stop whining Stop complaining. Stop blaming. Stop putting it off on everybody else. Stop putting it off on your boss. Stop putting it off on the girlfriend, on the boyfriend. Stop putting it off. Take ownership over your life. Embrace that path of difficulty that God has for you. And experience the reward on the other side. Life's not going to be easy. Life is not going to be easy. And my fear, and this has been just this, this lingering fear in, my, in the last several days for this, the, the younger generation. My fear is that you are literally, literally going to miss out on some of the greatest rewards, some of the greatest significance, some of the greatest gifts that God has for you. Because you simply walk away from the difficulty of life. You have to learn to be faithful and trusting God. I want to read you this really fast, it's in Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read it. This is when, uh, when Paul's talking about the significance of faith, significance of faith, and he, he makes a statement that says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers to exiles on earth, and he goes down and he names Abraham and, and Isaac and Joseph and, and David and all that Moses, all these people, and then he gets over here and I want you to hear this. I, I I want you to I want you just to hear this really fast. In verse thirty-two, Hebrews eleven, verse thirty-two, and he goes. It gets near the end of it after naming all these people, these heroes of faith, and he says this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Japheth, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Listen to this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Period. So it's easy to look at that victory. It's easy to look at that, they quench the, they're talking about Meshach, Meshach, uh, Meshach, Meshach. Meshach. They're talking about the three Hebrew boys walking through the fire, they quench the fire. and and daniel shut the mouths of lions they're talking about all these great victories and david over goliath they're talking about all these great victories and they say this is the faithful life this is what it is this is this is walking the will of god the will of god is victory the will of god is winning the will of god is this and this is what faithful people get and this is what faithful people do how many times have you ever heard that that right that's the thing right so i want but i want you to listen to the the next sentence the next part also faithful Also, these people died in faith. Also, these people walked in the will of God. Also, these people experienced the rewards of God. But I want you to listen to this. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So, this is my very inspirational slash depressing message for the end of the service. God has significance. And purpose and gifts and rewards for you. But in order to obtain them, you will walk through difficulties in life. If you don't learn to walk through them, you will never experience them. The second thing is this, and this thing I want you to close on as we start preparing our minds for Easter, I want you to think about this. Being faithful had nothing to do with the desire of the victory or the result, it had everything to do with their faithfulness and their belief. And God, and that God's will for their life was the greatest thing. Because it said that the faithful got victory over the sword. And it said that the faithful were also killed by the sword. It said that the faithful quenched the fire, but also the faithful were burned by the fire. It said that the faithful escaped death, but it also said that the, the faithful were tortured, beaten, and killed. finding significance in Christ in this life and I've left the broad amount of people and I'm going to just a few people experiencing true significance in Christ means you will walk through some of the most difficult battles in this life you will walk through at times it will feel like hell itself you will walk through extreme things but if your faithfulness is in God Whether you experience the victory or you don't, whether you quench the fire or you get burned by the fire, whether you you, you reign or you serve, if your faith is in God as you walk through those difficulties, then the Spirit of God will bless you and reward you no matter where life takes you. I know this has been different, but I've had this one overarching thing for the life of this church going where God wants us to go it means we're going to have to embrace difficulty it means we're going to have to embrace sacrifice it means we're going to have to embrace patience it means we're going to have to embrace the private battles it means that we're going to have to grow together commit together that no matter what comes our way what sacrifices we have to make what we are committed first to God then to his kingdom and that we're chasing not easiness but significance in him And we have to come to a place in our life where we don't run from things when it gets difficult. We don't run from things, but we embrace the difficulty and we embrace the battle because we know that victory in Christ, no matter what it looks like, is greater than running away and not embracing what he has planned for us. To the young, if you don't learn to embrace difficulty in life, you're going to experience nothingness. To the church. I believe what God has planned for us is absolutely significant. But I think that all of us will have to walk through a period of difficulty, a period of sacrifice, a period where we, we put our own needs aside and focus on God's the kingdom of God as it grows. I think that every time we begin to experience growth comes a season of difficulty. But when we endure through that, We see the power and the reward on the other side. So my prayer for you this morning is that God spoke to you about an area of your life, and that you will see the power in embracing difficulty, and that sometimes living faithfully even means suffering and struggling. The easy path is the path of nothingness. The difficult path is the path of the reward. And we have to grow up as Christians, embrace difficulty, and see the reward on you.